And welcome back to Link Adelaide. There is so much going on around Adelaide as we gear up for the 2013 Adelaide Feast Festival later in November. We've just come off the Barossa Gourmet Festival later uh, earlier on in August. Um, there's plenty going on. The State Opera is currently showing a fantastic production of Salome. The State Theatre Company are presenting Baby Teeth, directed by Chris Drummond, which I've heard tremendous things about and about Salome as well. Adelaide Comedy is going from strength to strength. Demi Lardner has just taken Edinburgh by storm winning all of the new comedy awards over there we congratulate her for that and of course if you're quick and uh, get to adelaide comedy's gigs before this sunday the first of september you can catch randy playing live uh he's playing all the gigs uh, from the arca bar to the rhino room and the marion hotel make sure you check him out he's hilarious and there's a great supporting lineup of uh, local comics on there as well all the details adelaidecomedy.com and uh, you can grab details about a whole host of events as we uh, pull our fingers out and start uploading some events to the Link Adelaide events database. It's starting to look really, really nice. Uh, Check it out at linkadelaide.com.au. And finally, it's a big welcome back to you to Link Adelaide. It's the first one of our podcasts in quite a long time. Uh, Steve Moylan with you as per usual and uh, here today to talk about male real ideal. Um, If you're anything like me, it's been plastered all over my social media of late. Uh, It's a new photographic exhibition by Brodie Paparella and Kat Kopok uh, happening at the Mill in Adelaide, 154 Angus Street in the city. It's all about male body image and uh, after reading some of the blog posts and Facebook status updates and finding the whole concept really rather interesting, I really wanted to talk to someone about it. So after a few calls, I got in touch with Kat Kopok and uh, we had a chat just a few, uh, about half an hour ago uh, here at the State Library in one of the uh, study rooms here. Uh, We started the interview talking all about men, body image, all that kind of thing, Um, but at the very beginning... An explanation of male real ideal. It's Kat Kopok and me, Steve Moylan, from Link Adelaide. Enjoy. All right, so the bare bones of the uh, exhibition is basically we get seven emerging and established photographers and we pair them up with seven, uh, well, we call them models, but they're not really models. They're not in the modelling industry. Um, They're just sort of normal guys that have we have either approached or they've approached us to deal with concepts that revolve around uh, masculine body image mm-hmm. and not being, uh, you know, th- these guys, they aren't that stereotypical type of, of male that you see on all the magazine covers and all the billboards and in the newspapers and in the movies. Um, you know, they're just normal guys and we take them and we put them into this very sort of stylized environment. We, you know, uh, the photographers come together with them and talk about concepts and we put them into like a like a photo shoot mm-hmm. with them and we sort of use that to subvert the, the sort of advertising media of, of that's what you should be it was like well you know you can just look you can look just as attractive being a normal guy in a photo shoot if you get a decent photographer you know but it's not just advertising but all this conceptual sort of stuff in there mm-hmm. as well um now you're Presenting it in, in conjunction with Brody Paparella, who yes. is a PR professional who's gone to Melbourne now, but he's certainly a very Adelaide-based gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sort of apparently originated a lot of the concept behind the work. Do you sort of explain his involvement and how it came to be? Yeah. Um, well, he approached me in April-ish <laughs> um, and came to me with this, he comes up, he's like, oh, can we have a meeting? I've got an issue I need to talk about. And I'm like, okay. So I had this meeting 
And his whole premise was that he had just gotten to a point where he was so sick of people judging him based solely on his physical appearance because he's mm-hmm. a very, very skinny guy. His yeah. um, metabolism is too fast altogether. Like he has trouble absorbing nutrients. He has very little body fat. Um, and so he's sort of constantly sick because he doesn't have enough fat to, for his, to feed his immune system. He's at risk of developing osteoporosis in five years. And people would constantly come up to him being, oh, I wish I had your problem. And he's like, what are you talking about? You know, I'm, I could be really sick, you mm-hmm. know. Or people come up to him being, oh, you've got to be a dealer. You know, you're so skinny. Of course you're a dealer. Can you get me some stuff? And he's like, what? Like, is it, you know, because that's not his, his style at all. And so everywhere he went, people constantly judging him that he was so skinny. And he was he just had enough of it. Um, so he came to me as like, I need to deal with these issues. Can we find a way to deal with these issues? And so I said to him, well, let's turn it into an art exhibition. You know, let's, yeah, get some other people involved. And, um, you know, there's many different ways of, of portraying that, but I chose photography mm-hmm. um, to, I thought, was the best medium to really display those characteristics. And yeah. Yeah, so that's sort of how it started. And then it sort of snowballed from there, and suddenly it's this huge show with, like, 14 people involved, and we're going to make a book out of it at the end. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Cool. And you've got more than one part, so this is kind of the first, this yep. exhibition at the mill is going to be the first part of four? Yep, uh, five. I five think. parts. Yep. Um, can you sort of take us through, because I think, is every part of this exhibition got the same kind of concept? I remember reading on one of the many posts that um, at least one of the photos or one of the models and photographer partnerships have done kind of a two-faced kind of, yeah, so each each pairing we um, get a, a, a model uh, and pair them with a photographer and then the process is, is that two of them come together and they discuss what makes uh, them feel most comfortable and what makes them feel least comfortable um, about being judged by their physical appearance. So it could be things like, um, you know, they don't have any hair or they're too skinny or... Um, I think one of them was um, just like the protrusions in the bones, and so you've got you've got one image where it's a sort of very negative connotation. Like one of the images by Amy Herman is of her model Gilliam, 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 um, and he it's a black and white image, and he is stark naked, being shot from above. So you can sort of like you know you see the top of his head and his shoulders and everything, and then around him there's like a sea of people, just um, really really blurry, and he's stock still in the middle. And so that's a really negative um, sort of image that it's all about like vulnerability and, um, you know, people judging him or not seeing him or invisibility. And then the other image that she's done, which is the positive image, it's, you know, what makes him feel good about himself. And it's this image where he's laying, and I don't know how she did it. This is this photographic wizardry um, that that she does, but he's lying down, face down, so you can't see his face, you're going to see his back. And he's sort of like on his side a little bit sprawled out in this bank of clouds and you know it's like he's sleeping or he's dreaming or he's meditating he's in this he's in this other space where there's no one around and he completely is comfortable with his body because there's no one there pointing fingers and staring at him you know so each pairing of photographer and model goes through that kind of process and they talk to each other about you know different ideas and different concepts and create two shots out of it and that kind of format will go for the whole um, five shows. Yeah, cool. And what are you looking at 
in the future exhibitions? Will it be the same? Obviously, it won't be exactly the same, mm. but what kind of differences are you looking at? Well, the this ones? particular show is very much about people that are uh, very skinny, very mm-hmm. slim, um, not very muscular, um, sort of, because that's Brody's direct experience. And then, so for the next shows, we'll be covering other aspects of why people um, don't feel that they fit in to that to that stereotype. So people that are a little bit overweight, people that are disabled, people that are transgender or different sex, or um, people even from like overseas people that come in. Like you know, the typical Australian male is this like blonde, Caucasian, tanned dude on a beach somewhere. Mm. You know, and a lot of people from mixed race parents, like they're born here, they are Australian, but they don't look like that guy. Yep. You know, so that's another method, another avenue that we could use to explore what being Australian actually is, mm. you know. And how important is it to you guys that it's masculine imagery and men that you're looking at in this? So, like, It's really reasonably important. There's a lot um, of uh, sort of body image work um, and awareness campaigns that are going on with women at the moment. Like, obviously, the Dove campaign is the most famous one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got, like, the Butterfly Foundation, which mostly deal with female anorexia problems and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, which is great, totally for it. But on the on the other side, it's there's a lot of men that are slipping under the radar. And I think it's something like 6% of adolescent males currently have anorexia or bulimia at the moment. So... And that's an issue that's not really being addressed. How does that? Do you know how that compares to females? I'm what kind of percentages? No. Okay. <laughs> Fail at research. That's all right. <laughs> I just throw it out there. Um, yeah. And just to come in with a couple of quick facts, um, you can find out heaps of information about uh, eating disorders at the National Eating Disorders Collaboration website, nedc.com.au, uh, where they mention that about 20% of uh, young women have uh, some kind of eating disorder and that currently about 1 in 10 of uh, people diagnosed with an uh, eating disorder are male. Uh, but the expectation is that, that perhaps because of the stigma associated is uh, much, much higher for men. Uh, the other place you can go is the Butterfly Foundation .org.au um, and uh, coincidentally the uh, National Body Image Awareness Week uh, runs from the 1st first, first to the 8th of September. As I say, you can head to the butterflyfoundation.org.au for more information about that or nedc.com.au um, especially if any of these issues are affecting you or people that you know, I do recommend you go and visit these websites. Now, back to the interview. But, I mean, obviously it's uh, not a small issue and something that seems to be becoming more and more prevalent as we see more and more idealised images in the media about how men should be and yeah. how men should look. There's so much now, you know, since feminism came along and obviously feminism is incredibly important for women mm-hmm. to have a place because they're still very much denied things in society. But mm-hmm. there's almost been a, a swing in certain sectors the other way so that you get men portrayed as being idiots on TV, like, I know yeah. these Diet Coke ads where yep. it's either a hunky man or just a stupid, just there-to-look-good kind of figure. Yep. And then you have the either some not understanding or not acknowledging that those issues that affect women and have affected women for so many years about not being valued and not being judged for anything other than their looks, you're creating mm-hmm. a scenario where a new generation who hasn't grown up... Yeah. I that think it's kind of is. interesting, like, because there's this, oh, there's so many answers to this question. There's 
my brain just gone tangents. Um, tangents are good. Yeah, tangents are great. Um, so you know, back back to the feminism thing is like there's this sort of preconception that feminism is only for women, mm. which is not true. It's kind of like politics. Like politics is not only for politicians. Mm. It governs all of our lives. Um, and in the same way is that you know feminism and women's issues. They're not women's issues. They're everybody's issues because the same kind of struggles that um, a lot of women are going through, a lot of men are also going through. Mm. It's just that, you know, it's a lot harder for, for women to sort of break out of that because there's a lot more prejudice going on. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean that it only applies to women and that men don't count. The whole point of feminism is that everybody is on an equal mm. boundary, um, an equal level playing field, um, which mean doesn't mean that, you know, women should be superior and women should get all of the help. It mm. means that, you know, we should be getting as much help as men do and men should be getting as much help as we do. Mm. We're exactly the same. And that's the point of feminism, which a lot of people misconstrue, you mm. know. It's much more of an equality message than I think mm. a lot of us assume, purely in some ways because of the title. Because well, yeah. it's called feminism. It's like, okay, it's all about women. It's about women's rights, women's suffrage, all, you know, yeah, well, that's that kind stuff. of thing. But the underpinning stuff and the kind of, like, I much prefer to talk about equality than fem- feminism or yeah, yeah, that remove kind that of thing and just kind of remove the, the gender part and make it so that, no, it's actually about everyone. I think that's a big part about what you're doing. But it, it interests me as well that you're not looking at, or not yet, not looking at women in this because I think that's a, another part mm. of it. But then well, you, got, you don't have to, obviously, yeah. choose what you well, focus three on. three of the photographers involved in the show are women. We've got mm-hmm. Meg Cowell, Amy Herman, and myself. Yep. And um, I actually recorded everybody, most people. Oh, there's also Zizi and Sherilyn. Five of them. So we've got Meg, Amy, Sherilyn, Zizi, and myself. Mm-hmm. And then we've also got the male photographers as well, um, which surprisingly are less. We've got Louis Tarr and Dave Laslett. Mm-hmm. And but all of them are all of the models are males, and putting everybody through this interview process, a lot of the answers given by women were like, well, we don't really we don't really know how male stereotyping affects our lives, you know, because you know the the feminist sorry the feminine feminine lifestyle is completely different from the masculine lifestyle. We're still treated very differently, um, mm. both objectively and subjectively, and so for them, I put the question to them, you know, how has male stereotyping affected you directly and a lot of people a lot of them couldn't really answer it you know it's always oh a friend of mine or my partner or I see this in other people um which I think is really quite interesting as well I mean but having said that none of if you had a son and your son was being bullied at school because he was too skinny or he was too fat or he was too greek or whatever um I think that would very much affect you directly Mm. yeah and so, Did I answer the question? <laughs> it wasn't really a question back okay. then. Like, it was just a talk. Um, but you mentioned that you, you did some photography as part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, who did you photograph and how did you find the experience of your part in that project? Um, I photographed a friend of mine, Stephen McEntee. Mm-hmm. And he, we've been friends for ages. So I found it doing the shoot was really comfortable with him because mm. um, he, you know, he had that background when he was, he grew up in, in the country and he was, you know, this little skinny gay guy. And so of course not a lot of people in the country can relate to that. And mm. so he, he got very distanced away from himself and didn't um, really talk to anybody. Um, and since we moved to Adelaide, he's come out of the show a whole lot. 
and he's gone through this whole process of becoming okay with himself and becoming okay to walk around naked and, you know, like, you know, not, you know, flashing it around or, you know, running down the street without any clothes on or anything, but, you know, just being around people and, like, being comfortable in his body saying, oh, I don't really need clothes. And so the comfortable photo shoot we actually did, we put some glitter on his face and uh, put him on his porch. Where, like, we spend a lot of time on his porch and it's, you know, a really beautiful place, like lots of plants everywhere and you can see the sky and the sunshine and it's lovely. So um, we sort of did it there and he was just, yeah, he was just nude, had his instruments around in a book, a bottle of wine and, you know, all of the things that are that positive message in his life. And it was, it was really, really easy. I mean, like the shot was, we mucked around for about half an hour afterwards, but really like the actual, like, you know, the magic shot was one of the first Maybe, ones yeah, yeah one of the first ones like five minutes into it um, and then the negative shot that we actually did was as he was never really good at sport and he felt a lot of pressure to be good at sport because you know country boy everyone plays football um, and that really wasn't part of his life so we he took him into a football field at night time it was freezing I don't know how he did it but he didn't have any pants on he had a football guernsey on mm. no pants bare feet minus degrees freezing in this football field it's wet like um and we um one of our friends is involved in a a local football club Mm -hmm. and just happens to be a women's football club which is interesting and so we he's there in the middle with the the lights shining down on him and he's got about 16 women pelting footballs at him from behind the camera (laughs) It was amazing. He was, you know, he was so brave. He just, he just sort of sat there and took it. It was freezing cold. He's being, you know, pelted, and he was, yeah. you know, he kind of loved it. He actually really, really enjoyed the whole experience of, you know, being in front of the camera and like mm. making art in that way. It's, it's something quite like amazing. I've had this similar experience. I was involved in an exhibition of a friend of mine, Lauren Smeaton, mm-hmm. a while ago, and um, it's just that weird thing when you suddenly sit and, like. It's, just, it's sort of it's the narcissism of being in front of a camera and having someone take your photo is great. Yeah. Um, so that's something then, I enjoy. I freeze up when people point cameras at me. But then you find you also really, like, if you get a good rapport with your photographers, you also really open up to them. Yeah, that's true. And you kind of, you suddenly find yourself opening up to them much, much more than you thought you would. Mm. Like, it's just this weird, weird thing. I mean, then you get great photos out of it as well. Oh, because yeah, you absolutely. become really raw. Um I think it also helps because we've been friends for such a long time, like mm. that natural rapport was already there. Yeah. So that sort of trust is already there. And that's a thing that I find most of the, the photos in this exhibition, um, there is a lot of trust placed mm. in the relationship between the photographer and the model, which makes it a lot more different than, you know, like a photo shoot that you'd see in a, in a magazine or on TV or something because these models always – well, not always, but a lot of the time they seem very removed mm. and very remote and they're, you know, like, oh, I'm just the face. You don't see a lot of their personality. And I think when you to need to get personality out of photographs, you need to have a relationship of trust. And I think it makes the photograph so much better. Absolutely. Like, yeah, because you know, your walls are down, you're relaxed. Yeah. Like, and there's like, the other thing. I've, I spent some time mainly for building confidence training as a model. Yeah. Doing, okay. like, a modelling and grooming course. End result of that is that we all did a catwalk mm-hmm. thing, and so obviously I was with a group of guys doing that, and you know just kind of just being in that world for twelve weeks it was tiny, but to see the difference of what 
the encouragement to for what men male models male models are encouraged to be themselves, have expression on their face, mm-hmm. and have fun with it. Yeah, female models are really encouraged to be still and be the no object, emotion not the and person. be a clothes horse. And it's like I would much rather see someone smile and look like they enjoy what they're wearing. Yeah, and have sure. be a little bit relaxed and still like get all the poses and the moves and stuff and do all that right. But I'd much rather see someone with a little bit of personality enjoying what they're wearing than. You know, this stone figure, I really found it fascinating. I mean, I guess part of it was them trying to make the men feel comfortable in this not necessarily male domain of modelling. But it was just weird that the men were afforded the kind of freedom to be human on the catwalk catwalk while, while the women were not. Yep, yep. And that stretches back for Such thousands of years. Like, um, I studied art history at uni and mm-hmm. a lot of... Uh, you know, there's this concept of, of the male gaze, and it's you know you you've got a, a woman as a paint on a painting, and she's looking away from you because if you in the painting, if you, like she's looking at you, it's a confrontation. She's like, "How dare you see my naked body?" So all of the women in all of the paintings, like Renaissance paintings, even pre-Renaissance paintings, like they're all looking down or they're looking away or generally like their eyes are downcast and that's a submissive pose Mm. you know like yes i am just an object my face doesn't exist just Mm. look at my body you know and i think that sort of visual culture has because it's been going on so long it's so prevalent in the way that we read images it's just carried through into modern Mm. life and so you know you do get the occasional sort of photo shoot where the woman is looking at you but Usually it's this heroin chic kind of thing and she's limp and her hair's all bedraggled and she's got, like, makeup everywhere and there's no life in her. She's just, you know, and it's, like, that's not what women are, mm. you know. It's Yeah, it's really, really disturbing to see that kind of, that myth perpetuated still. Yeah, and, like, did you study the history of men in art as well when you were...? I, I generally, as it was a whole yeah. general thing, but... The, the whole theory was revolved around, like, the male gaze because, obviously, males were in power for the majority of our history, and mm-hmm. so they're the ones that commissioned the paintings. Yeah. Um, but it's also quite interesting is in the paintings that males were featured in, it's all uh, sort of stories of, uh, like, Greek myths and, and political myths, and, you know, all of the men are these heroic figures, like Napoleon on his horse. Like, Napoleon mm-hmm. was a short, weedy little dude, but the... There's a whole string of paintings where he's on this huge, big, muscly horse, and he's it's from the ground up, so he seems mm. really tall and really he's got this giant hat and he's super powerful. And most of the most of the images of men are of conquerors and they're big and they're muscly and they're asserting themselves and conquering lands and slaying natives and you know, all of this sort of stuff. And that as well also brings a completely unrealistic sort of mm. picture to what a male is because you know at the same time there were there were knights and heroes and stuff going on yeah sure but at the same time there were hundreds of craftspeople there were hundreds of farmers you know mm. um tailors shoemakers that aren't these big brawny guys but nobody ever makes paintings about them mm. it's always the hero figure the buff guy you know the kingslayer or whatever you know and yeah so it, at the same time like it's i mean there were more paintings of women mm. but the objectification is just as real in the paintings about men. And that's yeah. sort of carried over to modern day, I think. So it's definitely not just a modern problem. No, it's no. been going a few years, really. Um, 
So I guess what's the, what's something that you've taken out of the, you know, you're only like less than a quarter of the way through the process, but what, what's something you've taken away from being involved? Um, mostly the stories, actually. Uh, when I put the call out for people to be involved, I asked them to write me a little bit of a paragraph about themselves and why they thought this project was important. And some of the responses that I got, I started tearing up, like reading these things. There's so many different kinds of, of ways that people have experienced prejudice for different reasons and it's all affected them in very, very similar sort of ways. Like it all, you know, makes anxiety, it all makes depression, it all makes people think they have very, very little worth as a person. Mm. And um, until and some people have reached this point and some people haven't where they've gotten to the the acceptance of themselves and who cares what anybody else thinks. I think I'm beautiful. Oh, you know, I accept my body and I'm okay with how I look. Yeah. Some people have gotten through that and some people haven't. They're all in varying stages. But definitely, like, the stories that people have told me. And even when I started sort of marketing this and putting it up on Facebook and, you know, the blog posts, and I'm a very social person, so mm. I really – and this problem is a very social problem. Mm. So it makes sense for me to sort of extend it out through as many networks as possible to get the message out there. And the responses that I've gotten from people on these various networking sites have just been incredible, mm. you know, and it's just knowing that I'm giving people the opportunity to realize that they're not alone in this horrible space, that there are other people out there as well. And sometimes when you're, when you feel like shit and you're lost and you're scared and you hate yourself and you don't want to leave the house, you know, just knowing that you're not the only person is just enough to get you through that day, mm -hmm. you know? And, yeah, having people come to me and saying, I think this is really important because of all of these reasons I can relate, then it's it's just really touching. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's why I make art. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, obviously, that's the kind of stuff you you would expect. I was just going to ask you what you, want, what you expect the audience to take out of the photos when they see them in the exhibition, but mm -hmm. I think you pretty much answered that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, also a sense of appreciation um, because these are normal, everyday guys, but the photographs are amazing. I'm so proud of everyone involved in this project because the photos are fantastic. And it also just sort of proves, and it's, you know, if they could take away anything, it's that you don't have to be a model to look fantastic, uh -huh. you know? And I think that's sort of like the biggest real message yeah. in, in all of this is that you don't, you know, you who you are is, is enough, you mm. know. Get, a, like, a good photographer in and it doesn't matter what you look like, mm. you know. You shouldn't even really need, like, a good photographer. Like, you know, you're awesome as you are. Yeah. And, yeah. Cool. Um, and just a sort of a timeline, this exhibition will run from the 6th of September through the 27th at mm -hmm. the mill. Mm -hmm. um, will the next one kind of pick up essentially immediately afterwards we can have a bit of a gap um well we'll see how it goes i've already got um a couple of models and a couple of photographers interested in the next one but this one took us what is it now september april four five months yeah. to put together um so the next even if we do start pretty much like straight after opening night we're just like ah <laughs> i might take a break for a week <laughs> and yeah. then start planning it but the next opening probably won't be for another five or six months. Cool. And yeah. what other art sort of stuff are you working on? Um, well, I'm a um, freelance curator as well at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, I do a lot of uh, painting, drawing yep. sort of stuff. So I'm working 
on uh, an exhibition with a friend of mine, Caro, which is, she's only really just starting to get into like painting and, and, and visual art and stuff. So we've set up a bit of a challenge where we're going to reinterpret tarot cards and we're going to work together to do 78 paintings. Wow. Yeah, which is going to be... You don't like little projects, do you? No. No, I'm at all. stupidly ambitious. I don't know, I keep making these giant things for myself. <laughs> and then, But, you know, that's it. Like, I thrive under pressure. And if the next thing is not bigger and better, then I lose interest pretty quickly. Yeah, cool. So, um, well, uh, let's not forget the other half of this project, Brody, um, mm-hmm. who I assume will come over from Melbourne for the yep, opening. he'll be writing Thursday evening for the opening on Friday. Lovely. Um, and encourage everyone to get around uh, to the mill for that um, on September 6th goes from 6 to 9 p.m. with drinks and yeah we've got Veggie Velo coming they're going to do food for us so we've got a couple of DJs uh, courtesy of Dancing Room so that'll be going cool. till about 9 so and I think the mill's got a bar they're running a bar as well so yeah come nice. and have a glass of wine with us and hang out awesome and you grab more details at themilladelaide.com um, so get their address they're at 154 Angus Street in the city and they're also running a possible campaign at the moment if you can help them out to get where they want to be, and it's a pretty amazing space they've got down there. Um, the website for the project is mailrealideal.blogspot.com.au, and you can also check them out on Facebook. We've got all the links up on Link Adelaide. Uh, Kat Kopok, thank you very much for your time. Not a problem. Thank and you. Good luck with the exhibition. Cheers. Well, that was a really fun way to return to podcasting for Link Adelaide. I'm about to get kicked out of the State Library because they're about to shut. Um, thanks again to Kat Kopok for her time this afternoon and to Brody and her for putting together this excellent exhibition. I can't wait to uh, have a look at it uh, when it opens on the 6th of September. Thank you. And uh, thank you for listening. And if you do have an event or something that you're running that you want to uh, to have a chat to us about we'd love to hear from you get in touch events at linkadelaide.com.au check out the website linkadelaide.com.au and give us a like or two on facebook facebook.com forward slash linkadelaide see you soon